You know, that, that, that's the image, though, isn't it, of, of what our society and our culture says that, that moms are supposed to be like, that women are supposed to be functioning. At, they, they're supposed to be up and at it with dressed to the nines and ready to go and managing the kids and managing the home and off to work if they have a job and back home to manage everything else. I mean, really, our culture and our society, we, we buy into this image, don't we, that moms and women and the ladies around us are supposed to live Live up to a certain ideal or a certain picture that 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 our that our media, even our media, has painted these kinds of images from the days of of June Cleaver to soccer moms in minivans to the the women that are influencing uh, the people around us now to the days of of Carol Brady and Marion Cunningham and Claire Huxtable and Marge Simpson. Well, maybe not maybe not Marge, but all dashed together with a hint of Angelina Jolie and Heidi Klum uh, that live in the neighborhood of the desperate housewives. This is the image that our, that our culture and our world and the, the people around us are, are buying into of what it's like to be a mom. Or This is the image of what moms are like. And this is the, the picture that is drawn for women to look at and strive for. And uh, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge in our world to see this, this going on. Because, because along with that, not only do we see this picture, but we hear messages that are mixed in the middle of that. Messages that are, that are one, finding the, the tension of motherhood where, where some moms, and in, in some portrayals, um, they, just, they just hate being a mom. They just don't like being a mom. They don't like motherhood. But it's, but it's then they wrestle that tension of, of that, that feeling with understanding there's this great responsibility as a mom. And so they, they wrestle with that. And in the midst of our culture as well, not only do we have these pictures and these images and this, this message, but there's also a subtle message that's, that's very anti-men, that's very against dads. We were in the uh, store yesterday shopping and saw uh, shirts and you know t-shirts and mother's day apparel all out and and one of the t-shirts that was out said moms are better than dads moms are better than dads and that's this is the culture that we're living in and i was i was upset as a dad as i saw i'm like what's that all about and what was nice is that my wife she was ticked off man i mean she was ready to go write the store a letter and i'm taking my business elsewhere and I don't know if she said that. But anyway, she was she was ready to just, you know, lay into these people. Why would you sell? Why would your store sell this image and this message? That that's not the image that we want to live up to. That's not the the message that we want to portray to the next generation. That's not the ideal for for women and moms and ladies to to rise up and grow up in. You know, from sitcoms to commercials, the media has has created these unattainable ideals for women and, and for moms. This momism, as Susan Douglas writes in her book, The Mommy Myth, is highly romanticized. It's a highly romanticized and utterly demeaning myth of the perfect mother in which the standards for perfection are impossible to achieve. This picture that our culture gives us this image that is painted is, is, is highly unattainable. We can't even begin to achieve these results. And it's demeaning to people. 
even as pop culture has changed in the recent years to try to show the struggles of moms and women and what they go through. And you know what? Maybe life isn't all June Cleaver perfect. Um, even our culture tries to change that message, but still paints this image of what it means to be a good mother or a woman of today and the, I, the, the picture to live up to. There's still this, this image ingrained in our minds of what a mom is supposed to be, and what a woman should be. And it's still an image that is unattainable. So we go to the scriptures for help, right? We turn to God. We come to church on Mother's Day. I want to be encouraged. I want God, God to speak into my heart. I want to see what God says about being a woman and a mother. I don't want to follow the image and the portrait of the culture. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 31. And what do we see there? Are you kidding me? What in the world is God saying to us here? This, I remember the first, one of the first times we read this passage to use it in a message series. My wife, I read this, this passage to my wife, you know, she brings him good, no harm. She selects the wool and the flax. She, the merchant ships are bringing her food. She gets up while it's still dark. Her husband is honored. And she's like, what version is that? What are you reading? And it's not so much the picture, it's not so much the picture that, that the message is wrong. But it's the idea that, that, is that really attainable? Is that what God really wants us to live up to? And as we look at this, this idea of moms today, as we celebrate Mother's Day, and we look at the image of mom and women in Proverbs 31, I want us to understand that this woman and this mom of Proverbs 31 isn't honored or praised or finds value and self-worth because of what she does. It would be easy to do a, a very quick reading of this passage and think, wow, she gets all this honor because of what she does. No, her significance and her honor and her praise and her value is attributed to her because of who she is first. Who she is first matters far more to God than what she does. Who she is in her heart, who she is in her spirit, who she is in her character, developed with godly values to be molded after Christ, is far more important than anything that she does. As we get into this, and we'll look at it in a moment, the value and the praise and the honor comes from who she is first. And so as we look at Proverbs 31, it's not an unattainable image. In fact, it's very reasonable. A couple things to keep in mind as we look at Proverbs 31. First of all, it's poetic writing. It's poetry. It's a proverb. And so there's a lot of imagery and a lot of word pictures being drawn. It's not, it's not a literal, you know, she doesn't literally get up and wait for the, the ship to come in and get the food. It's, it's poetic imagery. And so when we read Proverbs, we need to read it with that understanding that the meaning and the word pictures here are trying to drive home principles and thoughts. So first of all, it's poetic literature. Secondly, we need to understand that Proverbs 31 is a kind of poetic literature. It's heroic poetic literature. And it's written with military overtones. I mean, leave it to a guy, right? To draw up a Mother's Day card that has military overtones, okay? So, so it's poetic literature. 
And it's poetic literature that's written with this heroic expression that the mom and the woman in this passage is the hero of the community, the hero of the home, that she does these great things. And it's written with that that perspective. In fact, one writer, one writer says that, that the idea of this heroic poetry with the military overtones is that the valorous wife is a heroic figure who is, the writer writes it this way, because they want to express that the woman is used by God to do good for his people. And so the poet writes with this kind of idea, showing that this woman The virtuous woman, the woman of valor and honor, is a woman that can be used by God for the good of his people. And that's why it's written with these heroic overtones and military word analogies. The other thing that we need to understand is that in Proverbs, this section of Proverbs 31 is completely different from the period writings of that time and that region. Because it is focused on her ordinary activity with her family. You see, the mom and the woman is a heroic figure, not because of her beauty. She's heroic, not because of her physical charm. She's heroic, not because there's some sense of eroticism, but because of what she contributes to the family. She's a hero in the eyes of the poet because of what she brings to the family and what she does for the community. She's a hero to the, fa- to the community because of how she conducts herself. Now think about the contrast in our day and age and in our culture. How are women valued? How are women women honored? How are women lifted up? How are women portrayed? What are the images? A lot of them are physical images. A lot of them have to do with sexuality. A lot of them have to do with with how they look and how they conduct themselves with people. Yet, Yet in the biblical picture... God says it's not about your physical beauty. It's not about how well you're dressed. It's not about all of this external appearance. It's about who you are on the inside. Another thematic difference from that period, too, is that in Greek literature at this time, and especially written in this region, Greek literature would prize women who are silent and homebodies. But the biblical woman, the biblical Hebrew woman, She is diligent. She takes charge and she's engaged in in profit making and ventures and uh, in wise. She's a wise teacher and she's a philanthropist. She's out there. She's working the crops and working the fields and working the community. She's getting things done. She's providing for her family. She speaks well of her husband and she's she's praised and honored for that. Completely different, completely different from the period pieces that are written in, in that region at the time where women were looked at and honored for their silence and things like that. That's not the biblical image. The biblical image is a strong woman who diligently works and expresses herself. One final nuance when we read Proverbs 31 is that this woman, this woman can be found. This is not simply an allegory. This is not a symbol. This is not a, uh, a word picture of something else of of. Of that, that the author is trying to describe. This woman actually exists. 
This woman actually cares for her heart and cares for her character and develops her heart with God. And as she does that, as she develops her character, she walks into her community and has success. And as she has success, she is praised and honored. And as she works with her family, she gets praise and honor. And as she works with her husband, she gets praise and honor. And as she works for teaching her children and teaching the the, the the other young ladies in the community, she gets praise and honor, all because of who she is first in her heart and in her character. This woman can be found. It's not a picture of an idealistic woman that maybe someday out there there's one person that might act like this. That's not the picture at all. The picture is this. We can find there are women like this in our day in our age, in our community, in our homes, and in, and in our churches. This virtuous woman, if we were to read this passage, a woman of virtue who's nurturing her heart and her character, a woman of virtue would read this passage and understand, yeah, you know what, this section right here, this applies to my life. I see myself right there in this section. She doesn't have to necessarily see herself in every single detail, but she can see herself in certain places. Remember, it's poetic writing. It's the heroic poetic writing. It's different than the current period pieces of what that culture would say a woman should be like. So it goes against the grain of culture even back then. And for today, we're reminded that this woman does exist. It's possible. It is possible to be like this woman. It says in the Proverbs also, wise daughters aspire to be like her. The writer of Proverbs is saying, this is possible. Young women look at this mother, this mother and this woman and say, I want to be like her. Wise men seek to marry her. And wise people aim to take the wisdom she gives and make it live out in their own lives. When we see her, we want to be like her. Because this woman actually exists. I know her name. She lives down the street. She's my mom. She's my wife. She lives in our community. So what is it about this woman that inspires others to be like her? That, that woos others to be near her and makes others want to learn from her? What is it about this woman that is so exemplary in God's eyes? I've alluded to it already, and it's simply this. The virtuous woman cares primarily about her character in Christ. Her first concern, before she gets out of the bed and makes breakfast and gets the kids ready and helps see her husband off for the day, before she's off to work for the day, before she's up and at her gym or spinning class or scrapbooking class, before she's involved in any of that, before she hits the ground running, her primary concern is this, what is my character like? Am I building my life with a godly character? Will I reflect Christ today? Will I build myself and conduct myself in this community, in this town, in my family, in my children's school? Will I conduct myself in such a way that brings honor and glory to God first? Will I develop my character, my heart, and my spirit to reflect the image of Christ? That's her primary concern. The first thing, before whether there's eggs or bacon on the table, am I a godly woman? 
Am I a woman that develops my character in Christ? Look at how the front and front and back ends of this section come together. Proverbs 31 verse 10. Verse 10 starts this section with a virtuous woman. And in the New King James, the verse is, is written this way. It uses this word, who can find a virtuous wife? If you were reading from the NIV, the, the word is, I think, noble. But I, I prefer the King James with this one, the virtuous wife, because this word virtue in the original language has this idea of valor. It carries this idea of in all her forms, she's excellent. She's strong by wisdom and grace and fear of the Lord. She has command of her own spirit. This word virtuous. Who can find a woman that has command of her own spirit? She's not easily swayed one way or the other, but she's in command. This woman is, is, a, is a resolute woman. She espouses good principles and she stays firm to them. She's a woman that knows the ways of God, that knows how to conduct herself, that knows how to live in culture and society in a way that honors God. And she stays true to those, those ways. This woman and this mom is sought after, not because of beauty, not because of her appearance, not because of her sexuality. This woman is sought after because of her character, because of who she is inside, because of what she develops internally in her heart and in her spirit. If I can be like Christ then what I do and how I live and how I act will resemble that. And that is what will be attractive. That is what men will aspire to. That is what people will look up to. Now, in the middle, after the opening, after verse 10, there's all this business going on. She's, she's waiting for, like I said, she's waiting for that merchant ship to bring her food. She, she's waiting to get up in the middle of the, of the night to, to make sure her, her home is cared for. She works vigorously. She, she, she uh, opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. She makes clothes so that in the wintertime, you know, they're not too cold. And she makes coverings for her bed and she respects her husband. She's doing all of this kind of work, all of these actions, all of these activities. She does a lot of work in the middle of this section. And it would be easy to believe that she is honored and she is praised for her work. It would be easy to believe that she is honored and lifted up because of what she does. What she does is important. We can't function in this world without moms and and women and and ladies who who nurture us and and care for us and, and do their part. In our society, we, we need moms doing what they're doing. We need ladies doing what they're doing because we need good meals. Man, I'm telling you. I, we need your influence. We need your strength. We need your creativity alive and active in our society. All these works that she's able to do and accomplish and have great success with are secondary. It's all secondary. 
But if we're not careful, we're going to be lulled to believe that this is the primary objective of moms and women in our culture. But look out at, at how the section ends in verse 30. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There is this sense that her success comes from who she is. Her praise, her success, her honor, her respect, all starts because she's developing her character to be like Christ. And it's a theme that's woven throughout the Scriptures, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Who you are is far more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. How you develop your heart, how you're developing your spirit, how you draw close to God, who you are on the inside will show in how you live your life externally. Your works flow from who you are first. We can't fool the world. We can't fool the people around us. Maybe for a short period of time. Maybe for a season of life, we can fool those around us. But at the end of the day, this is true. That how we live our lives, the works that we do, the way we conduct ourselves in the community, the way we conduct ourselves with our family, who we are will always show a reflection of what, of what, what we do will always show a reflection of who we are. Always. We can't get away from it. Proverbs says, charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting. We live in a culture and a society that paints women in a certain way. You have to attain these objectives. You have to look this way. You have to allow your sexuality to drive your relationships. This is how you're supposed to live. And so women and, and moms, they buy into it. They buy into all of these pictures and they try to, to uh, uh, dress themselves up and paint, paint themselves in a certain light. But charm is deceiving. And beauty is fleeting. You can't get away with the external appearance for very long. I've seen very attractive women, and maybe you have too. Very attractive women who as soon as they open their mouth, they seem like the ugliest person I've ever seen. Does that make sense? Have you seen those kinds of people? Can I get an amen on that? I'm just not not out in the dark here, right? Attractive women that from a distance, some people would say, wow. Charming women, the way they carry themselves. But you get behind closed doors. They open their mouth in the middle of a conversation. And it's the ugliest thing you've seen. Because what we do, how we live our life, is driven by who we are on the inside. It starts with our character. And we can get away with it for a while. We can charm people, but that's deceiving, and we'll get caught. And beauty, 
is fleeting. For some of us, it's going quick. It's your character. Your character that matters. You see, the the Proverbs 31 woman, she understands that who she is in Christ is more important than who she is, than what she does in her house, what she does in the business world, or what she does at the concession stand at the Little League game, that who she is in her heart. And her character is far more important than how she's perceived in her neighborhood or at the gym or when she's shopping or at scrapbooking night. You know, who, who women are in their character is always primary. It's always of first concern. In God's eyes. Who are we in our heart? Who are we in our spirit? Beauty fades, charm deceives, but praise comes to those who honor God. I'm convinced that when we focus on who we are in Christ first, then what we do and how we live and act and work changes changes the quality of our life and it changes the nature of our life. Who we are first will change the way we act. We can't change the inside by doing a lot of different things. We can't change our heart. We can't change our character. We can't change our spirit by doing. We change our heart and we change our character and our spirit by drawing more, drawing close to God and being more Christ-like in our, in our heart with sincerity. And then as He does a work within us, that work expresses itself in how we live. That's where the change happens. Always happens internally first. You know, we have generations of moms and women and young women who are being influenced by the images of our world, who are being influenced by the, by the images of our culture, and I wonder, what is the legacy that we're leaving? As, as moms and as grandmothers and as older women, what is the legacy that we're leaving to our children, to the young girls that are around us? What are we telling them that they find their value and self-worth in? How are we directing and guiding them into the, the way that they will feel validated for who they are? God says it begins with character begins with your heart. Are we showing the next generation? Not by words alone, but by action, are we showing the next generation that we are concerned about the character of our heart ever before we're concerned about what we do? Just as this proverb is, a, is, is written in a way that goes against the cultural norms of that day, so it goes against the cultural images of our day. God desires that women, mothers, ladies develop their character before they develop what they do. And guys, don't turn this around. He wants us to develop our heart and our character too. What we see in this poetic writing is an attainable image of how we will receive praise and honor 
from our from husbands and men and the community because the character of Christ is being developed. So here's what I want us to do. Ladies, moms, here's the question. Here's the question to ask and to wrestle with. What is your primary concern? As you look at your life, as you look at your home, as you look at everything around you, as you look at yourself in the mirror, what is your primary concern? Is your first concern developing your heart and your character to match that of Christ? That's what God asks asks us to do. Where's your focus? What is your number one priority? Maybe the better question is, how am I doing at developing this? Some of you may have already been on a path. How are you doing? Is it time for a good checkup and see where do, we, where do we stand on this? What do I need to lay aside to develop this quality? How does my, maybe the better question is, how does my routine need to change so that I can develop my character? If, if the character of Christ being developed in my heart is truly to be the primary focus, then maybe there's something in my routine that I need to change so that I can make sure that I'm developing that. Ladies, how... Would you answer that question? What is your primary objective? And maybe a good question for some ladies is, where can I find help? I think that's probably a big issue too, that that we say all these good things, but but we never offer a line of support or a line of help. I'm I'm so glad that that our church has a uh, a deal that goes on every Thursday during the school year called Mops. It's mothers of preschoolers. And they are, they're challenged to come together and they, they develop their heart and their character and, and they get a reprieve and they get time out and they get to challenge each other and build relationships. Maybe you need to find a small group where you can be in with other women and other ladies that will help you develop your character in Christ. We have a, a mentoring program here at the church that's a one-on-one one-on-one discipleship program that helps women develop their character in Christ. And if you would like to get connected, call us up. We'll we'll connect you to the right people. It's a one-on-one meeting. It's not a large group. But very simple and effective ways. If you need help, just ask. And we'll connect the dots for you. Let me for one moment speak to our men. Dads, sons, men. We need to be men who respect our, our wives. We need to be sons who honor our mothers. We need to be men who are unashamed to express our gratitude. We need to be men who stand up and say, you know what, my wife's doing a great job. And I'm going to tell her. And I'm going to show her. And I'm going to praise her. And when I speak of my wife, I'm going to speak well of her. And, when I, and the legacy that I'm going to pass down to my children and the next generation, the legacy that I'm going to pass down to those who are around me, to all of the children, young, young children, boys and girls that we have influence with, the legacy I'm going to pass down is one that honors and respects women, is one that lifts them up and honors their character above anything else. We're going to learn to respect our moms and our wives. 
So our question is, how are we at praising our wives? Do they even know that we are grateful? Do they know how much we love them? Do they know how much we care about them? You know, if you're a man who who runs his house and, and runs his home with the attitude of, you know what? The day we got married, I told her I loved her. And if it changes, I'll let you know. I'm all good with that. If that's your attitude, you ain't all good. You got trouble on the home front. You got stuff going on that you probably don't even know about. That's not the way we're supposed to live our lives. That's not the way God has asked us to live in relationship with our wives. He's asked us to respect them and to honor them and to express love to them. See this proverb, this proverb 31, when we, when we really read down through this and we look at it, this proverb is not just about a woman who has all these qualities, but it's also about a man who is smart enough and observant enough and loving enough to recognize these qualities and praise his wife for them. He understands. He understands because he sees it in action and he responds to it. He understands she's worth more than rubies. Now, I'm told, I'm told that some women like to talk. I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just, that's what I've heard. Imagine the conversation. Imagine the conversation at the gym as ladies meet for coffee. Imagine the conversation on the telephone. Imagine the conversation in email messages. When a husband is one who honors and cherishes and lifts up and praises his wife. How's that conversation go? How's that woman respond? Good day at home, let me tell you. It's a good day. God asks us as men to set aside any pride that we may have brought into our marriage about expressing love and inside our relationships, to just lay it down and to honor and praise the women that are in our homes, our wives, our moms, and the next generation that comes behind us. Do we encourage them in their pursuits, men? Men, do, do we, you know, we just ask the women, hey, are you finding help? Are you getting ways? Are you building your character? Guys, do we, do we find ways to help them? Do we find ways to assist them? Do we say to our wives, you know, I, I understand that you want to develop, that you want to join this group or Bible study or be a part of this, this thing that's going to help you develop your character. Are we men that are man enough to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to help you with that. I'm watching the kids tonight. I'm on it. I'll be home. I, I know the schedule. I'm on it. In fact, I'll cook dinner. I'll, I'll watch the kids and I'll cook dinner. Now, it's not one of these, hey, I'm going to watch the kids, speed dial, babysitter. Hey, can you come on? Right? It's, I'm really, I'm watching the kids. I'm cooking dinner. I'll clean the house. I'll get everything ready. You just go. And you know what? Here's the other thing. When's your, when's your meeting? Okay, I'm going to hurry home tonight from work. I'm going to hurry home so that you can develop your character. I want to help you. Do we as men 
create a soft landing place for our wives and our moms? Are we creating a soft place for them to land when their day has been a wreck? When they've been totally frustrated and they're hurt and they're angry? Is our home a soft place to land? Guys, I I think God is asking us to live in this kind of relationship with with our wives and to develop that for the next generation. If you're single here today, here's what I want to say to you. Read Proverbs 31. And if you're looking for a wife, you need to look for a wife who is going to develop her godly character first and foremost. That's the kind of woman you want to look for. If you're a woman and you're single and you're looking for a guy, you need to look for a guy who wants you to develop your godly character first and foremost. If that doesn't work out, kick him out, push him away, end the relationship, because it's ten times harder once you're married. Ten times harder once you're married. You have to find these qualities in the people that you are dating before you go one more step in your relationship. Seek those kinds of people. And finally, if you're a single mom here today, if you're a single mom, I want you to know that you are loved, you are cared for, and we respect the job that you're doing. I can't even imagine the emotions of being a single mom, and I'm not even going to pretend. I just know it's hard from the stories I've heard. And it's a challenge. So if you're a single mom and you're building your godly character, let, first and foremost, let me say this to you. You're doing a good job. You may not hear it in your home. You're doing a good job. There may not be a husband there to help you understand that. Let us speak to you as a church. You're doing a good job. Can we praise our single moms? Moms, ladies, be encouraged today. You don't need to live up to some unattainable ideal that the world around you is presenting. All God asks for is your heart. By and large, moms, you're doing a great job. Honor and respect, validation, praise, those will all come. It'll come. Keep developing your character. Keep developing your heart. You know, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes a while to see that praise and to see that honor, but you keep working at it. You keep plugging away. Twelve years ago, my wife and I made the decision that she'd stay at home as we raise our children. Just started back into the workplace as our youngest has gone to kindergarten this year. And, and, and there have been moments along the way where there have been questions, why did I do this? Why am I doing this? And almost, almost as soon as the question is asked, something will happen with in the, in the, maybe it's in a restaurant we're at or with some friends as it happened yesterday afternoon. Friends of, uh, some new friends of ours said, you know what? Your child is a great kid. My wife was praised and honored for behavior of our children. Because I know she develops her character first. It may take 12 years to hear that, but it's coming. Hang in there. Stay strong. Sometimes we men need a kick in the pants like today 
to be reminded to say thanks. To say that you're loved and you're honored. And sometimes, ladies, we need to make sure our priorities are right. God first. God first. Don't despair, ladies. Rejoice today. Rejoice in who God created you to be. Nurture your soul. And be glad. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Father, help us to realize today and to put into practice this idea of nurturing our heart, our soul, developing our character to be godly and Christ-like. That's where it starts. And that's the message we have to pass to this next generation. So thank you for these words of challenge. And thank you that you are a God who loves us and guides us into a beautiful relationship, not one that is marked with unattainable images, but one that is marked with just grabbing a hold of your hand. So as we go today, help us to go into the world with peace, to have courage, to hold on to what is good. Help us to honor all men and to strengthen the faint-hearted. Help us to support the weak and help the suffering and share the gospel. Help us to love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may your grace be with all of us. Amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.